0: We're running a a series at the moment, or I am, Uh, for the first time in, uh, I was saying last week, for the first time in seven years, uh, talking about how Christians handle their money, so we've done a bit about that, and now we're moving into the uh, stormy waters of giving and tithing and offerings, and um, so I say, if you are brand new or you've only been coming here a short while... It's not something we do all the time. This is the first time in seven years. And, um, but it's important because it's important for us to know the whole counsel of God. And uh, I believe, I was saying last week, I believe people love the truth. And so uh, this is the third part. There'll be a fourth part at the end of August. And then we'll be done for, well, probably not for another seven years. But we'll see. We were talking last week about tithing. And uh, I don't want to... Go through it again if you want to hear it. It's online. Uh, maybe even if you don't want to hear it, you should hear it. Can you say amen? Uh, but uh, the wonderful thing about tithing is that it is, it's, 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 such, it's like fairness across the board. Because everyone has the same challenge. Everyone has the same opportunity. It's really just a matter of the calculator, as I was saying last week. It's not really a matter about having God speak to you. It's just a matter about doing the calculation. Um, This week I want to talk about uh, going beyond the tithe. uh, We we understand that tithes, uh, even in the New Testament, tithes are described as something that needs to be paid, not given. I want to see if you can capture that. Tithing, uh, Jesus spoke about paying tithes, not giving them. When you pay something, it's a bit like a bill. You don't walk out of the restaurant and go, do you know what? I think I'll give you £25. No, no. You're going to pay for it or the cops will be after you. You know. So it's a payment you're making. It's not a free will gift. The gratuity might be. I I love it, by the way, just to get on my soapbox. Don't you just love it when you go to a restaurant? Nobody serves you. No one's involved with you at all. And when you go to pay, they want to know how much gratuity first. I love that. So... Anyway, tithing is a, tithing is something that we pay. But there is a a way to look about going beyond the tithe when other needs come our way. And I want to talk about these, this today. Uh, Just before we open our Bible, I wonder if anyone in this room could know off by heart or approximately What the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. Now, it's not a Sunday school test, but Philippians 4 and verse 19. I wonder if that's a verse, like, do you know John 3, 16? You know what? You might know Romans 8, 28. Do you know Philippians 4, 19? Do you know that verse? Anyone feel that they know that verse? Go on, shout it out. If you know it, you can shout it out. I'll give you a clue. It begins, and my God... All your needs. Sounds good, doesn't it? According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. It's a great verse. You might have that as a sticker on your fridge. Especially if your fridge is a bit empty. You might have that. My fridge is empty, but for other reasons. Because I got there in the night. But not because we, not, not we lacked. Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your needs or uh, all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Fabulous. And that's a fairly well-known verse. And if you were struggling for money, if you were struggling for you needed provision, that might be a good verse, do you not think, to quote in prayer. But here is a much or equally important question. He's going to say more important, but equally important. What do the verses say in Philippians 4, 18, 17, 16, 15? Because we need to know to whom is that promise being given. In our Bible school that uh, we've successfully run just these last few months, and it's coming back in October, one of the burning questions we ask our students is this. When we look at a piece of the Bible, we want to know this. Who's it written to? Because who it's written to shapes the whole thing. It's really important to know who who wrote this, but even more important, who's it written to? Sometimes there are parts of the Bible that don't apply to you. Because they're not written to you. So the big question is, is Philippians 4.19 for you... Or not. And the only way to know. Is to look at the verses before it. So now if you haven't done so already. You've been sneakily doing it I know. But if you haven't done so already. go Now you can go Philippians 4. This little truth that I'm going to bring you today. Did change my life. It wasn't something I've always known. Or understood. I understand it now. Philippians 4 and verse 10 through to 19 would be a good piece to read today. And then we're going to find Haggai in a minute. Paul is writing, and he's writing to the Philippians. What has happened is that one of their uh, church folks, Epaphroditus, He may have been their pastor, or he may have just been a nice guy in the church. Not that the pastor isn't also a nice guy in the church, but you know what I mean. Uh, He has just shown up, and finally, after a lot of waiting, Paul has been given an offering from the Philippian church via uh, Epaphroditus. If they could have done it electronically, they would have. if they could have sent a check, they would have. But he had to show up with the money under his arm. That's kind of how it worked in those days. So this is what he says in verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Are you with me? Philippians 4 verse 10. Indeed, he says, you have been concerned But you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is, he says, to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Wow, wouldn't our lives be different if we could all do that? Instead of wanting more, we were just happy with what we had. How many of you know people with a whole lot more money than you who aren't very happy? Because they want more. And we also meet people who don't seem to have anything at all, but they do seem to be a lot happier than sometimes we are. And it is the secret of contentment. But Anyway, I don't want to develop that, but that's... What he's talking about here. Paul is saying, at last, the check has arrived. Well, that's sort of what he's saying. At last, you said you were going to send me an offering. And at last, you have. He says, uh, I'm sure he says in the middle of verse 10, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. That's him being very gracious with them. He's basically saying, you forgot all about me. You said you would send me this offering. You didn't. Uh, And now it's arrived and I'm so happy, but I want you to know that even when I didn't have anything, I still have learned the secret of being content. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's the... Famous verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't it interesting that the context of that verse is about a man who hadn't had enough to eat, but he could still carry on. That's the context. Verse 14, he continues, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles... Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. He saying when I went out as a missionary, it was just you, just, just the Philippian church that used to, used to partner with me in the gospel, used to get some money to me, essentially. He says, it was just you. Verse 16, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Now this is, you might think these are not important details. They're vital details as we arrive at verse 19. He's saying to them, you have been givers. And in this case, they gave to a missionary, Him. They gave to, So this isn't tithing, this is them extending uh, what they were doing to give to him, beyond a tithe. They were giving beyond a tithe, and they were giving to him, a missionary. And he says, you gave to me, and you were the only church that did give to me. And not only that, but you gave to me again and again. Is that right? That, that's what it says. Again and again. So he really liked them, didn't he? How many of you, if you were a missionary, you'd probably like these people. They sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Verse 17. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. He's saying when they gave to him, Something was credited to their account. And this is, as we're moving towards verse 19, this is all now building up to this. I have received, verse 17, verse 18 rather, I have received full payment and even more, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They, the gifts, you know, the money, honey, the bread, Fred, the dough, Joe, yeah. I've run out now though. <laughs> they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. You can't take that verse out from that passage and keep it by itself in a little box of promises That you put under the kitchen table. You can't do that. You have to keep that verse married to the passage. Right? We're good Bible students, right? We know that. So who is Paul talking to? Is he talking to Christian believers as a generic group? The answer is no. He's talking to give us. He said, you sent me aid again and again. You're the only ones who, who helped me. You gave. I am amply supplied. And because you gave, something, he says earlier in the passage, has been credited to your account. And my God, now shall supply all your need. He said, you have supplied the missionary's need and now God will supply your need. One time, a friend of mine was going off to Bible school. She said to me, I'm going off to Bible school. She said, Great girl, and she's now in the ministry. So I'm going back many, many years ago. She said to me, I'm going off to Bible school. It was in London. So it was thousands of pounds. You go to Bible school in London, it could be twice as much as if you go some other place. Because you have to live in London and get on the tube, and yeah, going to be a lot of money. (laughs) I said, don't you want to go to Bible school in a little village? No, no, London, okay. But then she looked at the bills. The fees, you know, the tuition. And she looked at me, and she came to me, and I was her friend, but I was also her pastor. And she came to me, and she looked at me, and she said this, Pete, she said, God will provide, won't he? And do you know what? All I could say to her was, I don't know. I said, horrified. (laughs) What are you talking about? You don't know. You're supposed to tell me That my God will supply all my needs according to... That's what you're supposed to... You're the pastor. You're supposed to tell me that. Now, she didn't tell me that, but that's what her eyes told me. Like, I came to you... My dad's told me I'm going to be broke. My boyfriend's told me not to go. And I'm coming to you because you're going to tell me that it's all going to be paid for. Because God's going to do miracles. But I try to always tell the truth according to the word of god can you say amen and the truth was i didn't know what seed that girl had put in the ground to grow later do you understand i didn't know i didn't know if she was a giver or not what i know is that whoever sows sparingly reaps sparingly and whoever sows bountifully reaps bountifully. Give and it shall be given to you full measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Right? That's the Bible. But, I, but not, it's, I didn't know what she'd put in the ground. I remember I was at a missions conference many, many years ago. This is before I had a car when it was safe to drive on the streets <laughs> of Paynton. and i couldn 't drive some say i can 't drive now, but i couldn 't legally drive. I was saving for a car, and I was saving pitifully for a car you know, I thought oh wow you know, i 've got twenty one pounds now saved you know nearly there i didn 't know i 'd nearly just paid twenty years ago for a mechanic to just look at the car for twenty one quid. But uh, I was at a missions conference, and a challenge came. Some missionaries—they needed some money, you know. And I remember looking in my pocket, and I just had a few. Co- and th- this was the money I was going to put in the in the box at home, marked "the car." And you know what it means—the car bracket, or any other need that might come along. I said, Lord, what about the car? I do need a car. Yeah, you try and reason with God. It's important for me to have a car. The CD player is important. How else will I hear Harry Seekum? Try and reason. Well, it's important, Lord. I can't give this money away. It's important. And the Lord said, to, I don't, I don't. I don't use the phrase, the Lord said to me very often. So either I don't hear from God or I'm more careful about what I say. But the Lord said to me, you worry about this missionary and I will worry about the car. Well, I gave. And you know, you're in that moment of giving where you feel good. And then two hours later, you're thinking, oh no. You know, when the music has wafted away. And you're out, and that you just gave, you know, all your money away, and it felt good, and you're singing, you know, Hallelujah. <laughs> and then two hours later, you're thinking, I'm broke. Uh, a year went by. I hadn't even had any driving lessons. So I was really slow with this. And I was just about to have driving lessons. And I thought, in order to have driving lessons, I ought to get a second-hand car so I can practice between the lessons, which I thoroughly recommend as a method of learning to drive. It terrifies everyone else, but it's good to drive. And um, and so I I asked a friend of mine, he lived in the Sheffield area, uh, to come down... And help me, 'cause I didn't know nothing. I didn't know anything about cars. I knew I had to have wheels, a steering wheel, a tape deck. In those days, you know. And uh, this was in the days before Blu-ray, holographic movies could be, put, you know, displayed on the front of the car. It was just a tape deck. And um, he came down and he said he would drive me around, and we'd look at a few cars. Well, he did. We drove around. We looked at a few cars. I couldn't really afford any of them. And uh, then we're having breakfast and he's about to go home. And I said, well, I really appreciate you coming. He said, well, I've got one more thing to do. And he picked up his car keys and he let them glide across the table and hit me, hit my wrist. He said, I'm giving you my car. And I'm going back on the train. I was just staggered. Of course, for a while, I said, no. But only for a while. Why do we do that, by the way? Are you sure? Do you know what I'm going to do? One day I'm going to give you something, you're going to say, Are you sure? And I'm going to go, No, and take it back. And then you won't say that ever again, will you? Are you really sure? So I said, are you sure? By the way, I really did mean it. He got on the train, he went, and I was left with his car. The Lord is good. You worry about the mystery; I worry about the car. You asked me about my friend today, he's driving a far better car than I am. Of course. Because God has blessed him too. My God will supply all your needs. Givers. Hoarders. If you forgive this phrase in a Christian church, good luck to you. Good luck to you. And you're hoarding and you're keeping and you're, you're, you know, I'm not giving nothing away. Good luck to you. Because it's all going to be down to you. But those who are generous God gets generous with them. Now, as we'll see in a couple of weeks' time, this isn't about becoming millionaires, having helicopters, providing, you know, we don't need a car park anymore here. Everyone comes by Copter. You know, like James Bond, that little Copter thing he had. Oh, no, we're all, we're all, we're, no, no. I don't necessarily think God wants us to become outrageously wealthy. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about all my, what? Needs. And what you want, as you know, is not always what you need. Right? You wanted to marry that guy once. God says, you don't need him. There are all sorts of things we might have wanted, but God gives us what we need. Now, let us, now here is an example of, of God's blessing being upon people who gave. Shall we just get brave and shall we look at a passage where the people didn't give and see what happened to them? How many of you want to do that? Right, I'm I'm doing it anyway. But for the record, only about three people did. Let's go to the contents page of our Bible and look at Haggai. So don't, I don't you pretending you know where it is. (laughs) You're in, you know you're in 2 Timothy and pretending, find Haggai and let's look at really quite a frightening bit of the Bible that probably you have not got underlined. Last week, or last time, if you're listening to these on the internet, in the message, uh, Stewardship to Tithing to the Storehouse, we looked briefly at Malachi, and where God spoke to Israel and said, if you do not give, you'll be under a curse. It's very, very strong language to use. People are offended by it, but it's just it's just the bible offending people he said you're under a curse sometimes people tell me they're under a curse and i don't really believe them i think maybe they read the wrong book or they've been to the wrong meeting and someone prophesied something uh, the people of god are blessed not cursed can you say amen yeah we're well, not cursed we're blessed there may be times when the enemy is uh, crafty but uh, but these are going to be very rare instances. People get worried about being cursed by the witch doctor or by some magician or something like this. Let me tell you, there's one person you want to be worried about being cursed by most of all. God. And God does use the word curse in Malachi. Chapter 3. What, what I want to do today is I want to read this piece from Haggai where in a way we learn what that curse meant, and some of the practical outworkings of that to the people of Israel. Now, in Haggai, we've just looked at a missionary gift, people giving to the missionary. But here we're looking at people coming and actually uh, bringing offering for a building. In this case, it it was the temple. And it's not really these specifics that we're talking about. It's not so much the specifics of giving to a missionary fund or a building fund. It's all, it's the, I mean, they go in different directions. And, uh, but, but, but we're talking about the principle here. The principle. If you dare, let's read a bit of Haggai chapter 1 together. And let's see something that's probably not highlighted in your Bible with lots of colors. Verse 7. Verse, verse 5. Verse 5. Verse 3. Oh, why don't I begin from the beginning? What am I doing? Verse 2. I'll do verse 2, then i cut some of the names out. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, that's the, we'll call them the church people, that's not exactly, they the Israelites, weren't they? But the church people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. It's really weird that, isn't it? It's almost like some of the guys were saying, look, we need help building the temple. And all the church people went away and sought the Lord, oh God, do you want me to give or not? And they came back and said, no, we feel it's not time. It's, it kind of that's the inference I've played with it a bit, but that's sort of the inference. It's not time, because we can't afford it, as we'll see. They said we can't afford to do it. And then the word of the Lord, verse 3, came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses, while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. So the people were challenged to help with the construction of this building, and they said it's not time because, uh, you know, I mean, I'm just picking, having a kind of a uh, contemporary twist. You know, we're going through a recession, you know, credit crunch, You're going through difficult, and, th- and they said we we can't give because. Our clothes are not right. We haven't got enough food for ourselves. It's, it's kind of, you can see that. We're struggling ourselves. How can we bring more? How can we bring our money to help build this building? We're earning wages, but our, our wallets have got holes in them. I found that happen to me as soon as I got married. I I was sure there was a £10 note in there. It seems to have gone. Well, she's worth more than that, I tell you. But he said, your money is disappearing. You're putting your money in your wallet or in your bank account, and it's disappearing. What's going on? This is what God says. This is what the Lord Almighty says, verse 7. Give careful thought to your ways. It's the second time he said that to them. Go up into the mountains, bring down the timber, and build the house... So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. And here comes the killer line. Are you ready? Everyone ready? You got your seal back on. Here we go. What you brought home, I blew away. <laughs> They're all down at the meeting going, You devil of theft. That Satan's taking our money, we're taking authority. Ushaka. they were doing all this. You know, the spirit of debt and financial policy. You know, we're dealing. with, you know, we're taking control. And God comes down and says, "Hello, the person blowing your money away is me. It's me. I am blowing your money." away. I am snipping holes in your wallet. What do you say? What you brought in, I blew away. And in case they immediately ask the question, well what sort of God are you? Why declares the Lord, middle of verse 9, because of my house which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. God says, you've neglected to give to them. In this case, it was a building, but it's pretty immaterial. It's the principle. You've neglected to give. Now, to the Philippians who did give, again and again came the promise of God. That God was going to meet every need they had. Maybe not immediately, maybe not all their wants, and maybe not straight away. But God was going to meet their needs. Because they had put seed in the ground, and we'll talk about this next time. They had put seed in the ground over a long period of time, and it came to fruition. But to the people of Haggai's day, who withheld giving... God, not being nasty, not being malicious, but wanting to show them a truth. He came down and he blew away some of their stuff. Because he wanted to show them that there are certain things that must be done. And when we read in Malachi that a curse came over Israel when they robbed God through tithes and offerings, maybe this is something of What was taking place? This sort of thing. He says, verse 10, these are just awesome, awesome verses of the Bible. He says, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. Because of you. Because you didn't give, the heavens became shut. You know, they were farmers. They needed They needed the season to work like it should. He says, it was because of you. You're down at the local Pentecostal church blaming the devil. But it was you. And it was you. What you did has caused me to do this. He says, I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains on the grain and the oil. Whatever the ground produces on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands. I remember times when I've known the great faithfulness of God. There was a time I lived just around the corner from here, and that was a mistake because it's a bit too expensive to live around here. But I lived, lived, lived just around the corner from here. And uh, slowly but surely, I just completely ran out of money. And uh, I remember one time sitting in my car and I had one pound. Oh. One pound. And uh, I went out, and I, I did. I spent the pound. And as I'm driving back to the flat, looking at the petrol, thinking, "Okay, I don't know how long this will last either." I thought, "Well, Lord, here we go. Now I'm really out here on the water, because now I, I don't have anything. But I knew." So over the years I'd planted seed in the ground, and when you plant seed in the ground, you're looking for harvest. If you don't plant seed in the ground, you're not looking for it. If you get a bit uh, if you get a bit uh, good life and you go out and you put stuff in the ground, grow a plant, you go out and look and see how it's doing. but if you don't plant anything, you don't go look. I said, Lord. It's now completely up to you. I pulled in, I opened my little flat door, and I could, couldn't really get through the door, because all over the, uh, all over the mat, there was money. (laughs) What's going on here? I said to God, are you sure? There's a hundred pound. There's a hundred pound on the mat. Somehow the Holy Spirit knew when I ran out of my pound. My God, show me all your needs. Show me all your needs. So I want to challenge you. There's a third area as well. We've looked at missionaries. We've looked at buildings. There's actually a third area. I've run out of time, but let me just touch it quickly before we're done. And I'll finish this in a couple of weeks' time. God's really, really keen for us to help the poor as well. You look on your TV and you see something something happening in Pakistan. You don't have to be afraid to think, well, really, uh, uh, how am I going to make this work, you know? Or it's not exactly mission, you know. They're not taking tracks with them. Sometimes, let's not worry about that. Let's just give. Because sometimes there are emergencies and we just need to give. God loves the poor. And it's really interesting, and i finish with this, but on the final day of judgment, Jesus separates people like sheep from goats. You know the story? Matthew 25. And those that seem to have pleased him are people who fed, clothed, and resourced poor people. In the parable of the sheep and the goats, or the passage of the sheep and the goats, the basis on which people enter into eternal life in that particular passage is not obviously dependent upon their faith at all, It seems to be based upon what they did and didn't do in this life. Regarding the poor, regarding the sick, regarding the prisoner, regarding the naked. The book of Proverbs says this, a generous man will be refreshed and he who refreshes others shall himself be refreshed. A generous man, let me say it correctly, will prosper. It's bizarre because in this world we live in, a generous man in theory shouldn't prosper because you're giving it all away. But in the kingdom of God, a generous man prospers. Wouldn't it be great? Now this has nothing to do with this church, nothing to do with tithes coming into this church. Wouldn't it just be great if you and I could live a lifestyle that was just generous on as many occasions as we could be. And we lived a life of generosity. Now, not everyone wants to say amen because this sounds like a cost to this, and there is. But hear the word of the Lord a generous man will prosper, will prosper. And to those who give, again, And again, my God will meet all their needs according to his riches.